Welcome to the Arts Report for May 21st, 2014. Tonight on the show, we have our new arts reporter, Mike, to tell us about the production Pan and Superman. I'll fill you in on That's Just Crazy Talk, a one-woman play by mental health educator Victoria Maxwell happening tomorrow night at the K-Meet Theatre. And I'll give you an update on the Jesse Awards and a whole lot more. Stay tuned at 6 p.m. for Arts On Air. Welcome, everybody. I'm your host for tonight, Sarah Lapsley, and I've got a couple of guests in the studio, so I'm going to turn them on as usual. Say hi. Hello. Hello. So we've got Mike and Valerio. So why don't we sort of introduce you first, Mike, and then we'll get into the play stuff in a bit. 
Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I'm Mike. I don't know what else you want to know about me. Yeah, um, today was a memorable day yeah, for you. No, totally. I came in here with a cap because I oh. graduated. <laughs> uh, yeah, I walked the walk today, so that was something. And and yeah, you've probably been looking forward to it for a long time. Oh, years. Yeah, <laughs> years of my life. Yeah. Uh, and finally, I did it. So there. Are I you are you gonna have a celebration later today? Well, my parents are in town. Yeah. So I get to hang out with them and eat on their um, dime. On their dime, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then I don't know what will happen after that. Yeah. Some fun though. Yeah. So what are your plans after graduation? Uh, I, I don't know who he was, but there was a guy on the stage who, uh, I watched him. He asked everybody of these 300 people, what was their next plan? And I told them that mine was to be the best me I could be. So oh, I, I love have, that. I have no idea what I'm going to do. He thought that was smug. But, um. <laughs> no, <laughs> I think it's an awesome answer. Yeah. Uh, there's no real plans. That's the answer. Yes, except the arts report, hopefully. Exactly. Lots of this. Okay, and I also want to say hi to Valerio. Hi. So you're new to CITR. Yep. Tell us about what made you want to come and be involved at CITR. Um, I want to involve here because uh, actually I always um, found uh, radio a very fascinating place to communicate. Mm -hmm. more than, much more than internet or TV or whatever else uh, communication means. Uh, but I've never, um, I've never experienced in the radio before. So for me, everything is new. And uh, um, also uh, here, I know there is Italian program with Linda. And I... Okay, you're Italian. Yes, I'm oh, Italian. Wow. And probably in August, I will replace Linda for a while because she will be in Italy. Okay. So, we'll so see. you'll do uh, spoken Italian for the show as the host, speaking Italian? Yeah, we speak it. We speak a uh, bit Italian and a bit English. Okay. Both. There's some good Italian music from the 60s. Um, like that I used to listen to. I'm try I can't think of any of the singers, but really classic sort of 60s singers from Italy, very fashionable and Yeah, I know in North America is very famous uh, Frank Sinatra or you know. He's very famous. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm thinking of ones that lived in Italy. I'll see if I can look them up and next week I'll play them. Um the artists that I'm thinking of. Okay. And so what brought you to Canada? Oh, I I came in Canada uh, three years ago. Okay. Uh, because, uh, as many people know already, in Europe there is not very good economy situation, except in Germany, but uh, to find a job it's difficult really? now. So the, the, the main reason why I'm in Canada is to work. What kind of work do you do? I'm an accountant. Oh, really? Yes, but it's funny because... Until now, I had to uh, like invent a little bit uh, my job because to work as accountant, it it requires uh, some um, local certificate, like CPA. right. So is it the certified general accountant? Exactly, that's what I will would like to do in the future. But uh, in the meantime, I'm working as 
Italian tutor to help some students to learn it, Italian. Wow. And I also work as a translator. I translate some documents from English to Italian and from Italian to English. Because in Vancouver, there are many people from, uh, from Canada, but with Italian heritage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they need assistance. I really like uh, coral from Italy. It's red coral that comes from the Mediterranean. It's very expensive and it's actually illegal to transport across borders now because it's so rare. But that's my favorite thing about Italy right oh, now. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So we're going to be hearing more from you on the Arts Report, Valerio. Thanks. But I want now, I want to get to Mike. Yeah. And you're going to tell us about. Pan and Superman. When you sent the link, I was just like, wow, this sounds like a crazy, incredible <laughs> yeah. event. So let's hear your take on it. Absolutely. Um, so I, yeah, I guess last week you sent me an email saying, go do something. And so uh, I looked up what was happening in the city and I found, um, I found out about the Up in the Air's Revolver Theater Festival. So Up in the Air's a theater production company around here and the revolver theater festival i guess it's been going on for 10 years i think is what the website said uh and so they're pretty reputable uh and they are producing some really cool shows they've got uh, a few um i guess regularly structured plays that are going on um but they also have some of these more experimental or uh, challenging forms for theater. So this one that I went to is one of the latter. Um, Pan and Superman is put on by uh, Adam Bergquist. He's the creator of it, and he's the sole actor in it as well. Uh, and its structure is fascinating. It's um, it's not a play. You don't sit down and relax. You actually go on a run with this guy for about 55 minutes, I think, is the length of uh, the play. And that's essentially what I did. I brought my roommate and it was just him and I and then uh, Adam um, who uh, poses as Superman or some sort of derivative of Superman. He's a superhero and he's your personal trainer for that hour. Oh my god. <laughs> and he's like I'm signing a waiver saying that I won't sue if I get a heart yeah. attack on the I was going to ask about that one. Yeah. Like do they, are they liable if you, you uh, know, break down after that waiver? I don't think yeah. so. Yeah. <laughs> uh the um sorry, the website it says to expect mild to moderate exercise, but I was sweating pretty hard sure. by the end of it. Um, yeah, so he just takes us on a run around, uh, it, it starts at the Kulch, uh, theater and, uh, our culture center and you can just go on a run for a while around there. Uh, and intermittently we stop and there are, um, sort of, um, interactive activities that take place or that he gets the audience to partake in. Uh, and so structurally it's a really fascinating thing and, um, the content is even more interesting. Uh, oh, tell no. me more. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, it's he's a superhero, right? Your trainer is a superhero, and he you're he's setting the pace for the run, and so you're literally following in the footsteps of this hero, modeling his behavior, and throughout the play slash run. He is uh, correcting your technique for running. I got a lot of uh, comments on how I was running. My footwork isn't apparently proper 
running footwork. Uh, and yeah, high knees, comments like that. And so throughout the whole time, he's uh, coaching you. And then intermittently, he's also recounting a whole bunch of narratives, uh, like heroic narratives from Greek mythology uh, and whatnot. And so um, all of this is sort of being conflated into one experience. And uh, at one point, I just sort of realized that I'm following after this heroic figure or trying to model his behavior, which I think is a really... Uh, fascinating thing and something that I think we all sort of find ourselves doing. I mean, perhaps that's what what's inspired the going to be the best me. Yeah, comment yeah, at the graduation. Maybe, who knows? <laughs> maybe this is all just trickled yeah. into my brain. No, I really like what you just said, and also you said conflated, which is one of my favorite words. But yeah. <laughs> um, that 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 it took you on this sort of heroic path. So I'm just curious about that. Because that's kind of a central theme in human existence. The hero Mm -hmm. story, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, This last semester, I did a lot of research about heroes for a project that I was working on. And uh, I'm fascinated by heroes. I think they're... Me too. Right? Superheroes. Um, Why do we have these stories about superheroes? Um, And the conclusion that I came to is it's this tricky method for society to inscribe values on... Mm. Oh, it's kind of a suspicious <laughs> worldview. It's like, yeah, super conspiracy theory esque, but uh, that's really sort of what I think. And I think, I mean, obviously this is me informing my own reading of the mm-hmm. play, but I think that really works with uh, what Bergquist is doing in his play because it is you are. I mean, what are heroes? They are notable or famous for either heroic feats, like feats of strength. Um, things that are not humanly possible, right? Uh, Heracles is talked about, who, I mean, went through 12 different challenges and, like, fought lions and stuff like that. It's things that people don't do today. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other important hero that is talked about is... Oh, what's his name? Jason? No. Um, the marathon guy. The guy around the marathon. Theodidis? Terry Fox? <laughs> no. Sorry? <laughs> <laughs> Theodivides. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, I just made myself look really dumb. Um, I mean, heroics, right? Uh, yeah. But Theodivides ran from, I mean, over a course of days, hundreds of kilometers is sort of how the myth goes. And um, uh, he did so to warn the Athenians or, I mean, I read a few different versions of the uh, story just preparing for this, but either to warn or to uh, celebrate the victory against the Persians. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that's right. Uh, Don't look at me. <laughs> um, in any case, the, his heroic feat was to run hundreds of kilometers, yeah. and from him we actually we get the marathon uh, because it was the Battle of Marathon. Uh, and so these are feats that are not humanly possible people can't just go out and do that superman obviously is another important feature of this play because he's dressed like superman your tour guide or running coach uh and he is a man of steel he's not even from this planet he's superhuman and yet these are uh the models of behavior that societies throughout time have set for their ideal version of themselves and so juxtaposing that against what we do today fitness is a huge activity that people engage in and people do so fanatically 
uh, and um, I don't, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, neither do I. I just went on this run and I was sore for days afterwards. <laughs> I like the marathon theme. Do you, was there was there an overt reference to the the Greek marathoner uh, in this play? Well, he, like I said, he was recounting these stories throughout the whole uh, trip, the whole fifty five minutes. He's telling these stories and talking about how um, yeah, there there actually was a more overt reference to Phaedipides because he's running. Uh, with a message, right? Either to Marathon or to Athens, I believe. Uh, and on either side, there is a message. And so a, ki- or a part of the heroic um, position is to carry a message with you. And so um, throughout the course of the play, you and the rest of the audience are completing a message or creating a message, I suppose, through challenges that... Um, your running coach is giving you. And so it's it's things like being tied together at the leg and having to run a three-legged race upstairs. Or You didn't have to do that. We did have to do oh, that. Oh, yeah. with a stranger? Uh, well, I brought my roommate, okay. so it wasn't a stranger. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, they also recommend that you bring somebody to this place. Right. So, um, oh, I like it. It was it was really interesting. And so we would do all these things. And throughout the course of it, and I don't want to re- reveal, obviously, mm-hmm. the message that we came up with. But um, uh, the idea is, I think, that uh, the heroic narrative is sort of being demystified here. And you become your own hero with your own message. And that brings a whole bunch of questions like... Who is this message for? Um, and where did you get this message? Um, but nonetheless, you become the hero and you are, um, you're the hero for your own self. So rather than looking towards somebody that is beyond the scope of what a human can be, you are suddenly looking at yourself. And I think it just carries a message of contentment and self-satisfaction, which is something that fitness freaks I mm-hmm. don't think have. Uh, I'm... Well, there's so much from what you've said that I want to go in a million different directions. Contentment doesn't strike me as related to the heroic journey, which is this no. constant, like this constant friction, right? Of con- yeah. con- uh, going up the mountain, going up the mountain, kind mm-hmm. of against the wind. Yeah. But and then maybe a feeling of achievement or victory. Yeah, um, exactly. That is what the hero is about. Right. And so uh, interestingly, uh, at one point in the play this Superman-esque character. He's obviously not Superman, but uh, he changes out of his costume while the audience is distracted by something else. And he just comes out from somewhere dressed in civilian clothing, right? And he just starts talking to you as a stranger would start talking to a stranger. Uh, And so um, there is sort of this dual identity thing going on. Uh, And then you carry that over to the activities that you are engaged in and you are trying to work with somebody both in cooperation and uh, conflict with that person to accomplish something. You have your mindset on something, but um, the other part of you, the part that you're attached to, uh, is sort of making it more difficult for you to do so. Hmm. Um, So there is a competition that is, or challenges um, that are sort of brought to the forefront of your experience in these challenges uh, or in your heroic quest. Um, 
That's great. Yeah. Back to the marathon thing for a minute. Have you seen Marathon Man, the classic film? Is that the one where they drill holes in his teeth? He, yes, he drills (laughs) holes in his teeth. Uh, Laurence Olivier, who's like an incredible actor. You just hate him so much. Yeah, he drills holes in his... Oh, yes, yeah, so a form of torture. Yeah. yeah. it's But Dustin Hoffman is sort of... Sure. I think he's the one that sort of runs the marathon, but he's this kind of, you know, what's the word? Humble, no, lackluster. What's the word I'm looking for? Non... Oh, it's driving me crazy. Uh, just nondescript kind of fellow, but he becomes a hero over the sure. course of the film. It's an excellent film. I highly recommend it. Cool. So just like the everyman becoming a hero. Yeah. And saving, you know, kind of taking down this evil Nazi. Right. So um, played by Laurence Olivier brilliantly. Mm -hmm. It's one of the best movies I've ever seen for sure. Cool. But to the hero myth, it's such a masculine thing, isn't it? Mm -hmm. The story of the hero. Oh, yeah. And do you know from your readings in English, any examples of sort of feminine heroes? Um. Oh, geez. Uh, feminine heroes. Not really. Uh, not that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, Heroines, I guess. Heroines. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I know they exist, but um, I think you're right. Masculine heroes, all the way back to the earliest hero story, Beowulf, uh, in English at least, until heroes today are predominantly males. You know, mm-hmm. And even, I mean... Um, people that are given the title of hero today in athletics are by and large male athletes. Mm-hmm. So I, to answer your question, I can't think of female heroes. Right yeah. Now. Yeah. I mean, I, there are, I get the one thing that just came to my mind was Psyche and Eros. Sure. And, and just, I mean, she was like, in, it's funny because her quest wasn't for mastery. It was rather for love, but she had to go through tasks she yeah. was a, she was cast out of sort of paradise and then she had to accomplish these impossible tasks in order to return. So just made me think of that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, what an amazing play. Yeah. I mean, it was really cool. And I mean, props to Adam because he does this run at least once a day, sometimes three times a day for the sake of doing or putting this play on for his audience members. So, I mean, if nothing else he's an he himself is like an incredible yeah so it was inspiring it sounds like yeah i want to be physically fit now (laughs) i need to be more fit yeah so it's it seems to be and maybe you know something about this this trend towards really interactive productions that immerse you in the experience of the play like the old sit in a seat and observe i mean that still happens but more and more I'm seeing these kind of plays. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I think that is the really interesting feature about this and what makes it so active on so many different levels is the fact that you are personally engaged in it. I mean, other plays that you sit back and enjoy, you have to sort of put through a series of, um, Uh, you have to think about it and apply it to your life and all of a sudden in this play and plays like it where uh, interactivity is such a key part of it you are immediately engaged in the message of the play so I think that worked really well for me at least Mm -hmm. and it sounds like it can it had or can have a transformative effect on you as the participant yeah Uh, either you get 
healthier and fitter or <laughs> on, a, on a more metaphysical level. Yeah, definitely transformative. Wow. Anything else? Um, I, informationally, I can tell you that the play is, or sorry, not the play, but the festival itself, which has a whole bunch of different things going on, uh, runs from May 13th to 25th. Uh, and this particular play runs every day. Um, I, I'm not sure exactly. Um, I've got the times here. Let's see. You can go to the website and, um, find all the information. Yeah. So it's www.upintheairtheater.com. So it runs like from now it's at 8 PM this Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, May 23rd. And then it runs Saturday and Sunday, Saturday at 3.30 p.m., 6 p.m. and 8 p.m. So that's a good day to go. And Sunday, May 25th at 5 p.m. and 7 p.m. I mean, I might go. You should go. Like, yeah. you know. Um, or go I don't like running, but... And there's... A, oh, it looks like there's a good YouTube clip. Yeah. Or a I mean, video clip on the website. It's promotional. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys can go watch it. It's... Yeah, it gets you really excited to go to the play, I guess. Yeah. Wow. And so do you have anything else in mind you want to go see arts-wise in the next little while? Um, ooh, there were some of the plays uh, that I saw for the festival, um, uh, the Revolver Festival, that looked pretty interesting. Uh, I can't think off of the top of my head what they were, okay. but... Um, uh, as for now, I don't know. I've been busy with yeah. graduating. Yeah. Yeah. Exciting. Um, I'll get, yeah, I'll find some Well, things. yeah, and we'll hook you up with tickets because, Sweet. yeah, yeah you should be awesome. get tickets. And there's <laughs> lots of stuff actually coming up in June, tons of stuff. So cool. I'm trying to forward stuff along. And, yeah, awesome. I really loved what you had to say oh, about the play and mythology and all that stuff. <laughs> I crammed all of that into my brain yeah. as quickly as possible before yeah. I came in. No, I got really excited talking about it because I love all that that stuff and cool. sounds like a good experience so why don't we go to a couple of PSAs and we'll be right back to talk about Victoria Maxwell's show that's just crazy talk you're listening to CITR 101.9 FM the May issue of Discorder is here this month's cover features local garage rocker skinny kids plus articles on the ASL singles club fistful of snacks Kiss Painting, Wild Kind, and so much more. We are also proud to announce Homegrown Labels, a new column dedicated to celebrating record labels in our own city. So pick up a copy of Discorder around town, or check us out online at discorder.ca, and listen to a curated playlist featuring the May Issues artists. And a special thanks to this issue's advertisers, AEG Live, LiveVan.com, Moto the Car Co-op, North by Northeast Festival, the Rickshaw Theater, Sled Island Festival, UBC Alumni Weekend, and Vinyl Records. Become a friend of CITR and get great discounts on Commercial Drive and in other areas at Bone Rattle Music, High Life Records, People's Co-op Bookstore, Audio Pile Records, Bad Bird Media, Bam Merch Canada, and the Vancouver Music Gallery. Wow, it sure does pay to be a friend of CITR. To find out more, visit us in room 233 of the sub on the UBC campus or go online to www.citr.ca. 
CITR 101.9 FM. You're listening to the Arts Report. I'm your host for tonight, Sarah Lapsley, and I'm here in the studio with Valerio and Mike. We were just talking about Pan and Superman, a cool play. So I want to talk about a show I'm going to tomorrow night. It's my dear friend, Victoria Maxwell. She's a mental health speaker, actor, and writer, and she's also a blogger for Psychology Today. She's doing a show tomorrow at the K Meek Center. And Crazy for Life is like a one-woman play about her experience with bipolar disorder, growing up in a family with mental health issues and her hospitalizations and her recovery process. And it's just an excellent, very moving play, and she's really brilliant at conveying her experience in a way that touches everybody. And they're also having a discussion afterwards, which I've seen the play a few times in the discussion afterwards, people really engage in. And it's a fundraiser for the Canadian Mental Health Association. So I'll give you the details of that in a bit. Um, But I'm going to play an audio clip of actually a documentary that a rock you radio documentary that uh, our friend Pamela posted So, yeah, I've really enjoyed getting to know Victoria over the years, and we've had some really good times together in Miami at conferences. We ate bananas together at the um, restaurant on West Broadway, which was really funny, and we're on a billboard together raising money for the Vancouver General Hospital Foundation. So I'm just going to play this audio clip, and she talks really well about her experience, and also um, there's some clips from the play in here, so I'm just going to forward it a bit. This should be about the start of it. So here you go, Victoria Maxwell talking about That's Just Crazy Talk. Vancouver. She was diagnosed with bipolar disorder in the 1990s, and she was in her mid-20s at the time, and she had just started to score small TV and film roles alongside some pretty big names like Johnny Depp and David Duchovny and John Travolta, but... Her mental illness derailed all that, and she spent the next 10 years experiencing bouts of madness and resisting the diagnosis of the same illness that she had grown up watching her mother suffer. Now, Maxwell recently opened her own one-woman play. It's called That's Just Crazy Talk. It's a deeply personal, often hilarious, and sometimes heartbreaking account of mental illness and of the trail that it's blazed through her family tree. Pamela Post was at the play's recent Vancouver debut, and she brings us this feature story on the art and the science behind the production. I'm running faster, faster, zipping, zooming, zing! I see sneakers. They're orange. That means the devil's coming. On a lit stage in front of a packed house at Vancouver's Granville Island Performance Works, Victoria Maxwell hits the ground running, literally, as she takes her audience inside both the hospital walls and her own tortured psyche during a bout of psychosis. The cosmos, me, the world, we're one, and I am... Am I in the emergency ward? I take off. I overhear my father. Bloody idiots, help me. He grabs my shoulder, pushes me into a room, door slams. I can see 
Her body hurls through space and contorts on the stage, a theatrical reliving of a very real incident in her mid-twenties that saw her fleeing from her father and hospital staff, lost in a floridly psychotic state, but one that to her was imbued with a profoundly spiritual meaning. This is my chance to find enlightenment, but first I must eliminate my ego, kill my ego, find scissors, cut out my ego, and then I'll be free. I lunge at a row of cotton swab and bandages. They tackle me. I scramble on my knees, but they're trying to get my leg. I try to escape their clutches, but they pull at my pants, my t-shirt, stretching it long, and somehow I end up lying face down on a gurney, steel safety bars up, both sides, left wrist strapped, leather cuff, right wrist locked leather cuff, and my butt, cold as arctic ice, hanging out of what must be the most humiliating piece of clothing known to man, the peppermint green hospital gown. A nurse is tapping a needle, a needle the size of a frickin' 7-Eleven straw, then wet, cool cotton and jab, a rush of images, regrets and dreams kaleidoscope. And in that moment, I realize I've gone crazy. What everybody calls crazy. God. Victoria Maxwell named her, by turns, hilarious and heartbreaking one-woman play, That's Just Crazy Talk. She laughingly claims membership in a club that has earned the right to use the C word to describe mental illness. thing inappropriate humor I, I, it's a double standard I can make jokes about it because I have a mental illness I can't make jokes about being Italian because I am not Italian she talks crazy talk. That's Just Crazy Talk is both an homage and an elegy to Maxwell's childhood that was marked with madness, but also a tribute to a family held together with love, at a time when mental illness in the family was usually sealed tightly in the closet. When Maxwell is given her diagnosis, it's just the latest spurt from what she calls her genetic leaky valve. The doctor says it's rapid cycling mixed state bipolar disorder with mild temporal lobe epilepsy, generalized anxiety disorder with psychotic features. Yeah, easy for him to say. You'd think it would be easy for me to say, considering how many of us in our family have something like it. Me, mom, cousin, cousin, Uncle, great-uncle, great-grandmother, great-grandfather, cousin, cousin. And while Maxwell's family may have had a leaky valve, part of what she hopes the play will encourage others to do is acknowledge that having a mental illness is both common and treatable. Most people I know have met somebody who has had a bout with clinical depression, has dealt with anxiety, an eating disorder, know someone that might have schizophrenia or Tourette's. The statistics are quite staggering and the, the reason that I find it sad is because when people start to get well, they don't talk about it because the consequences are still real. But what that does is it perpetuates the image that the only people with mental illness are very, very ill people who never get well. 
manic depression. Scary. Unlike those cuddlier, friendlier terms. You know, batty, balmy, buggy, crazy, dippy, daffy, dotty, freaky, kooky, loony, loopy, nutty, screwy, wacky. <laughs> oh, and the O's. Cuckoo, gonzo, loco, schizo, psycho, wacko, weirdo. Food metaphors. Bananas, crackers, nuts, and fruitcake. <laughs> and who likes fruitcake? Maxwell's presence on stage, her brilliantly witty and dark script, along with her adept and energetic one-woman performance, is testimony to the fact that people with mental illness can and do get well, and the genius can live alongside madness in the same human psyche. Dr. Aaron Mahalik, a psychologist at UBC's Department of Psychiatry, is leading a research team looking into such issues as bipolar disorder and creativity and the narrative of mental illness. The play is part of that research. We've known for centuries that uh, the prevalence of bipolar disorder is higher in people who have high rates of autistic output. Insiders, like us, have a secret language, a a Morse code, more like a morose code. OCD, BD, BD1, BD2, DID, ADD, ADHD, PTSD. So musicians, performers, artists, um, but we really didn't know anything about the mechanism underlying this. The literature is actually really poor. And so what we wanted to do was start to explore in a really systematic way, you know, what are the mechanisms underpinning this, this correlation between creativity and madness? I mean, the, the newspapers always splash some headline like, schizophrenic man attacks police. They never splash the headline, diabetic man attacks police. <laughs> Lactose intolerant teen tortures house. They never say those people weren't taking their medications. I know, I know, there are holes in my argument, but still. You know, if we look at bipolar spectrum disorders, you know, I think we can probably say that about 6 to 8% of the Canadian population could be diagnosed as having some kind of bipolarity. Is that always associated with great impairment in their lives? Not always. That's not always the case. Um, so I'd like it to be viewed perhaps not as an either-or, but as a spectrum that we fall on somewhere, um, and also understanding that um, there are sometimes positive sides of having a little bit of bipolarity or a little bit of mental illness, um, and that it isn't necessarily always a negative um, connotation. Maxwell's play is mercifully free of anything that reeks of the earnestly educational. It's a sustained piece of theater that keeps you riveted by its comedy, tragedy, and pacing, but mostly by her powerful storytelling and her portrait of growing up in a little family of three, rocked by her mother's serious mental illness. Scenes painted vividly, like the first time at eight years old she visits her mom in the psych ward. My mom's got deep, dark circles under her eyes, and her skin is elephant gray, but, but her hair isn't sticking out anymore like it did at home. I hold her bony hand. It's so cold and pointy. Dad whispers something in her ear, kisses her on her forehead. 
All she does is blink. Maxwell calls the play a love letter to her parents, particularly her dad, Jack, who she calls The Rock, a gruff, Archie Bunker, profane kind of dad, right down to his tweed chair, but one who will stop at nothing to protect his wife and daughter from the barbs and rejection that come with prejudice. Still, in grade three, little Vicky is chased home by the school bully, a miscreant who taunts her about her psycho mom. Stupid. He pushes me, punches me, pokes me till I'm down. You got a psycho for a mom, huh? That's not true. Your mom is so ugly. What's it like having a freak for a mom, huh? Huh? His face is spinning close. I can see up his nose into his beady gray eyes, and I run. The thugs are laughing, peeing themselves, but Danny, he's following, chasing me all the way home, and it's uphill. Seriously, the whole entire way is uphill. I live in North Vancouver at the top of Upper Lonsdale. I'm pounding the pavement, glancing when I can for block parent signs. Nothing. What is this neighborhood, Surrey? I jig, jag, cut through the Nones yard, but still he's on my tail, gaining on me. This kid, even in grade three, he's the size of a tree. Finally, I reach our shabby rented house, front door, locked, and I just wail on the wood. It opens, I collapse into the hallway, very melodramatic, but for a reason, this boy man is terrifying. I'm peeking out from behind our dingy white kitchen curtains. Danny's huffing, puffing, standing in the yard, but he's been caught. My dad, the rock, remember, just lights into him, just lets him have it. Don't you ever, if you so much as bleep, breathe near her, I'll bleep, scare the bleep, bleep out of you so much, so help me, you smarmy little bleep, bleep, you'll never bleep, straight again. I don't hear everything. I don't even understand everything. <laughs> but I don't care. The rock came to my rescue. He always does. Yeah, it really is a, a love letter to my dad and my mom. And we had a lot of dysfunction in our family. Somehow there was still an incredible amount of love I felt, particularly from my dad and, and from my mom. My mom just had a lot of bad hands dealt to her. It always stuns me how much struggle a family can go through and how much my parents struggled yet they were still able to give me this message that who I was and what I had was totally fine. She is a great narrator. She's also very honest and candid about the really difficult times she's had and you know the very dark and bleak places she's been to. I can't sleep because I don't want to go into it. It's pointless. I'm stupid. A loser, an idiot. I'm stupid, a loser, an idiot. I'm stupid, a loser, an idiot. This has been in my head, my body, for weeks now. And, and therapy, journaling, support groups, talking and more talking, and nothing, nothing makes any difference. I keep staring at the table, pick up the knife, and then it starts. That slithering buzz in my head. Slowly, at first, tiny dances of delusion, melted ideas. I've been here before, know where it goes, 
Cords of light extend from my belly. A cat pops up, then disappears. This only gets worse, and it won't go away. This only gets worse, and it... Hi, Lori. Sorry it's so early, but... You said to call if I ever... My best friend drives me to emergency. My name is Natasha. I am a robot now. I am playing with my breast again. Nothing to do, nothing to do. Sometimes I listen to Misery Hour with Hans Close Wednesday at 11 before midnight. I don't think I like it. To understand more about fashion, we asked CITR student executive and fashion expert Jonathan Q what fashion means to him. Like, it's just aesthetically something that's so ostentatious. Typically, typically. I mean, because, of course, I mean, it's also, you know, I mean, when, when you say fashion, I think people are talking explicitly about uh, consumerism, as opposed to someone who buys, like, uh, like, you know, let's say, you know, someone buys a If you really want to know more about fashion, come on down to CITR in the Student Union Building of UBC and pick up some of our merchandise a la mode. Nous avons t-shirts, sweatshirts, socks, and coffee mugs, but it's also very aesthetically gripping. To keep you styling in support of the station you love, isn't that right, Jonathan? Cool. Well, actually, is it? Because I mean, you know, I was gonna say because of the cultural vacuum that we exist within, but then you know, uh, really, fashion today is kind of derived from the European idea of couture, and that's been around for centuries. Hi, we're back on CITR 101.9 FM. You're listening to The Arts Report, and I'm your host for tonight, Sarah. And we've got a full studio, our interns, Sahar and Lucy. Lucy, you were on last week. And Sahar, you're coming on next week with a great interview you're planning. So we're excited to have you on. You'll have to talk. Yes. Hey. (laughs) Good. So uh, I just played a clip of a radio documentary by Victoria Maxwell, made by Pamela Post, just uh, to give you an idea of what it's like. Now, her one-woman play, That's Just Crazy Talk, is on tomorrow night at the K-Meek Center that's in North West Van, if you can get out there. There's usually good buses, and it's a sort of wine and cheese thing, raising money for the the Canadian Mental Health Association, and then after, there'll be a panel discussion. So that's just crazy talk looks at both the light and the dark side of living with bipolar disorder, anxiety, and psychosis. This funny and achingly truthful play both entertains and educates, exploding stigmas and portraying the love and resilience it takes to stay together as a family and the beauty that can result when we face our demons. Victoria Maxwell is one of North America's most sought-after educators and speakers on the lived experience of mental illness and recovery, and she is very busy. She travels all over North America presenting workshops and her one-woman play, and you can check out victoriamaxwell.com she's also on twitter facebook posting things and she's a blogger for psychology today so definitely check it out and i'll be there tomorrow night come and say hi so i went to monty python spam a lot last week um and after the show after our show last week and i was like i'm not gonna like it i don't like musicals i was pretty ambivalent and tired but I decided to give it a chance, and I really loved it. So I highly recommend it. It's on till June 29th, so if you lots of opportunity, Mike, to see it. Um, and people were like, you know, you'll notice everyone there is old. And that was not the case. There were super young people, 
like kids, adolescents, 20-somethings, right on up to old people. So it was a great mix and very, very well done. Um, So very campy musicals, but right away I started to recognize a lot of the, um, you know, the jokes from Monty Python. And there were jokes I have even been like telling for years, but didn't know they were from Monty Python, like about goats and stuff like that. So that was really great. You know, the the singing and the acting was really incredible. They had a band that really a hardworking band, just a drum set and a few keyboards. But and they just were really intense looking at their sheet music, but they just created an orchestra. Um, so, yeah, it just takes you through these different vignettes of the Holy Grail. Really, really campy, really fun. Um, and I kind of had like a epiphany, you know, because I love medieval stuff. So anything that's remotely medieval, even when it's campy musical, is like enough to draw me in. And I love the story of the Holy Grail, kind of like Hero's Quest, right? Um, and so I kind of had this sort of a few little epiphanies as I was watching And I guess this idea of um, they had to go through tasks, right? As a group, they had to, a group of knights under King Arthur, they had to go through a few tasks. And I called them the Knights of Nye. Last week was like the week of mispronunciation, um, mother. And so uh, I also called them the Knights of Nye, which is like super embarrassing, right? Because it's the Knights of Knee. And so I'm just correcting myself, but they were really well done. But they gave tasks to the knights. And one of them was to create a Broadway play. So they they kind of scramble to create this Broadway play. So it's like a little play within a play and ends up with, you know, these great kind of Coco Cabana kind of, you know, super campy fun scenes. And at the end, there's this moment when they, they kind of go, oh, like we were in a Broadway play all along. And I'm sort of like, yeah, that's like the Holy Grail. Like we search and search and search for the Holy Grail, this magical thing that we can't find or can't touch, but we're there all along. We have it all along, the Holy Grail. So I was like, wow. I I wasn't stoned, but I had this kind of stoner-like epiphany. Uh, But it really made me appreciate, uh, you know, Monty Python and just that just fun, absurd humor that appeals to everybody. My complaint was that during the Broadway section, they made a lot of kind of Jewish jokes. And I just didn't find it that funny. Like you have to be Jewish to be on Broadway or something. I just thought, well, this isn't funny, you know, to me, I thought they could have really done without that. Um, But other than that, it was amazing. And the, the singing was great. And I was like, man, they're working really hard up there. Like, you know, they're singing and dancing their butts off and doing a great job. So really entertaining. I think that the run will do well. And it was funny because people who have been listening have heard me rant about Killer Joe, this play. I saw anyone see Killer Joe? Heard you talk about it. Okay, yeah, because I was just... And I went with Matt Granlund, who's the host of Australian Canadian Music Show, and I was ranting to him, like, you have to see Killer Joe. It was the best thing I've ever seen. Oh, my God. And I, and then... the you know, the first act started of spam a lot. And then at intermission, I turned around and the guy sitting right behind me was Ted Cole, one of the main actors from Killer Joe. And I was like staring at him. And then I said, are you from Killer Joe? And he looked really pleased that someone recognized him. Um, 
and then and then I was like, did you hear us talking about it? I said, it's, you know, he's like, no, no. And I said, oh, it's the best thing I've ever seen. I started gushing. His wife was like not amused. But I was really excited to meet him and give him, get a chance to tell him how much I liked it. And it's up for a lot of Jesse Awards. I, I just have the Jesse Awards website up here. Just go. To, I was going to talk about it more, but we're running out of time. Um, the Jesse, Jesse's.ca. And you can see all the listings for actors who are nominated for a Jesse Award. And I went last year to the awards show and I, I wasn't that into it because I didn't know many of the people, but I've actually seen tons of plays over the years. So now I'm like, oh, that person, that person. So now I think I might go again this year to the awards ceremony. Um, so Killer Joe's up for quite a few awards. Mostly the big ones are for Bard on the Beach and that's coming up. And Sahara, you're going to go to Bard on the Beach. You want to do Midsummer Night's Dream. I want to do The Tempest. I love the, um, there's one monologue that I like to practice at home late at night by myself. Um, it's, yeah, I won't, <laughs> I've read it on air before, but I won't do it now. So I just wanted to play a little song uh, on the bright side of life from Monty Python. Where did I put it? Here we go. Just a fun one by Monty Python, and then we'll be up back to kind of wrap up the night. And I'll want you to stay tuned for UBC Arts on Air. Cheer up, Brian. You know what they say? Some things in life are bad. They can really make you mad. Other things just make you swear and curse. When you're chewing on life's gristle, that grumble, give a whistle. And this'll help things turn out for the best. Aim. Always look on the bright side of life. Always look on the light side of life. If life seems jolly rotten, there's something you've forgotten. And that's to laugh and smile and dance and sing. When you're feeling in the dumps, don't be silly chumps. Just purse your lips and whistle, that's the thing. And always look on the bright side of life. Come on! Always look on the right side of life. For life is quite absurd, and death's the final word. You must always face the curtain with a bow. Forget about your scene, give the audience a grin. Enjoy it, it's your last chance anyhow. So always look on the bright side of death. Just before you draw your terminal breath. Life's a piece of shit when you look at it. Life's a laugh and death's a joke, it's true. You'll see it's all a show, keep them laughing as you go. Just remember that the last laugh is on you. And always look on the right side of life.
Nothing will come from nothing, you know what I say? Cheer up, you old bugger. Rock music quiz. There you are. See? The end of the film. Incidentally, this record's available in the foyer. Someone's got to live as well, you know? Who do you think pays for all this rubbish? Always look on the money back, you know? Hi, you're listening to the Art Support. We're almost done. I think it was a really fun show. Mike, Valerio, Sahar. So it's really nice to have people coming in and helping me out on the show. Um, so next week, Sahar's going to talk about the Out Vigil. And Rohit Joseph is coming in to talk about the new play, The Lamentable Tragedy of Sal Capone. Um, and I just wanted to give a shout out. I got an email this week from a guy in Brazil who was a fan of my music, the music that I made in the early 2000s, my band, the Vancouver Knights. And he sent me this lovely email um, about how he liked my music. And then we became Facebook friends. So I just want to shout out to him and play a song because he likes Canadian music. And uh, one band he mentioned was the Pets, the Winnipeg band, the Pets. But I couldn't find anything from them, but I've got something up here from the Waking Eyes. So a lot of the guys from the Pets went on to the Waking Eyes, including in, uh, including Rusty Matthias. And I went on tour with Rusty back in 2000. He played trumpet for my band, and that was really, really fun. So thank you for listening all the way from Brazil. I know you're listening, and it will be about two minutes to ten there. So definitely... Um, Sometime it would be cool to check out Rio or something. I don't get out of traveling too much, but <laughs> it would be nice to see more of the world for sure. So thank you. And um, yeah, so stay tuned for UBC Arts on Air. This is our last kind of new Arts on Air. And then after that, it'll be, we'll be doing reruns over the summer every other week. And then on the alternating weeks, it's all ears, a great student show, uh, advice show, if you have problems. So signing off, thanks for listening to the Arts Report. And here's The Waking Eyes. This song is called Beginning.